If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm excited tonight to have with me Marco Contreras. I was just teasing him that he's a hard guy to get a handle on or get a hold of, uh, even harder than some names like Kevin Faulkner, but that's a good thing. That means he's very busy. So, Marco, glad to have you on the podcast. And uh, how are you tonight? Really an honor to be here with you guys. Phil, Cynthia, good to see you again. Um, Just excited, man. I know we've been trying to make it happen. I'm just glad it worked out. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I I, I guess we can jump right into it. you know, you were kind of, in my opinion, I, I think you were kind of like thrust into politics not too long ago. Um, you were kind of, I, I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. You were kind of forced into or maybe strong armed into going into the 79th Assembly District race. It was a special election uh, for that open seat vacated by Shirley Weber. Uh, is that how you got your start in, in politics? Is that how someone kind of reached out to you and, and asked you to do it? Or how did that all come about? You know, it, it kind of felt like that. It's it's kind of a very a crazy story. Um, so I'm a person of faith. And uh, in 2020, you know, the craziness that was going on. And it was October 14th, where I just felt a pull to step into the space of politics. So I said, okay, dear God, if you want me to run, you know, for office, I need you to send me somebody. I don't know anybody in politics. So two weeks later, uh, June Cutter, who ran for assembly, now running for assembly again, reaches out to a friend of hers, reaches out to my wife, says, hey, has Marco ever considered running for office? We're like, this is crazy. So then one thing led to another. And uh, initially, uh, everybody thought that Newsom was going to appoint Lorena Gonzalez, which was in the 80th district. And Mm -hmm. so we said, you know what, maybe we'll start with city council. And then um, Shirley Weber gets appointed, 79th district. I live in the 79th. We're like, this is a great opportunity, special election. Um, You know, typically conservatives vote more on these special elections. We have a chance. So I said, I don't want to run unless we have a chance. Hey, we really have a chance. So we ran, came in second. It was a great experience. And it really kind of launched me into this, uh, this new area of my life, if you will, that I'm actually really enjoying. So what, for the 79th, uh, what was the political breakdown? Was it, is it more left-leaning? Is it more down the middle? Like what, what made you look at it and go, is there a chance for me to, to hop in here and actually make a difference? Yeah, no, they were, there was about 40, I want to say 46%, if I remember correctly, uh, Democrats and then 20, 26 or 23, uh, Republican. And then the rest were independent, but our strategy was, let's just, um, you know, reach out to the conservative side, awaken, you know, nobody was happy about the 2020 election. So let's just, let's take one for the team. Let's vote. So, uh, not, you know, not, not every Republican went out to vote and that I think that hurt us, but, uh, that was our strategy. If we can just get all the conservatives to vote, um, then we'll have a chance. And uh, how long did you have for this special election? I know it was kind of like a condensed amount of time to run for this special election. So I uh, decided to run for the assembly uh, December 21st, I believe. And uh, and then the elections were April 6th of 2021. So we had essentially we had four months. 
but by the time you get your committee started, um, you know, you get your team ready, it was a fast race, three months of that's all I did. Thankfully, because I have a good team in my business, I was able to devote full time of my, you know, my whole focus to the campaign. So I was <laughs> literally, my wife would say, you're in a cave, you know, I was in a cave for three months, uh, whether I was, you know, and everything was via Zoom back then. I don't know if you remember. Uh, mm -hmm. A bunch of interviews for endorsements, um, interviews with the news, KUSI, Fox, got to be on Fox News, uh, debates. Then nobody told me that the campaign manager, uh, Corey, did a great job. He says, hey, Marco, you're going to have a debate next week. I'm like, debates? I've never debated in my life. So here we are uh, studying policy and everything, um, you know, 40 hours for the for the debate, so it was it was a it was a, a crazy experience, but I grew a ton. It, it was really helpful. It was like I went to a boot camp, you know, for three three mm -hmm. months. So now that that leads us to your current campaign, which is you're running for Chula Vista City Council District One. Um, obviously, you weren't scared away from politics that much if you're running again, and and like I you was. said, it's it, it's now <laughs> becoming like a part of your life. So yeah. how has it been going so far and what made you decide to jump in for Chula Vista City Council? Well, um, you know, I just, I knew the, the, you know, this journey wasn't over when, when the election happened. We came in second, great start, and I just needed some time to process, to think, because it's crazy, you know. Um, and then I was, uh, I went to a men's retreat um, last year. And I just felt like I had a download. You know what? I'm going to focus on in local politics for 10 to 12 years. Uh, I'm going to focus in Chula Vista, which is perfect because I have two kids. One is 11. The other one's nine. So, you know, what happens after, it'll be incredible. What happens now, I'm excited right now about Chula Vista. But uh, I get to see my kids grow up. And, and then I started to learn more about uh, the council, the position, the role um and the impact you can make i'm like this is exciting we can really make a difference here locally and and i i'm just um i've been in this area uh, for quite a while now i know a lot of people very connected and and i do feel like i represent the values of of the city of the east part of chula vista so i think you know what if if there's any one of us that can win this race I think it's me because we have great momentum from the assembly and, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, in this part of town, I don't know where are you from, Phil. Originally I'm from New Jersey, but right now New I'm Jersey. in, uh, P I'm in PB right now. Okay. You're in PB. So have you ever been to East Lake? It's, it's just a, you know, that was actually going to be my next point was uh -huh. my suegra lives in your <laughs> neck of the woods. Okay. Uh, so I, I've been down to East Chula Vista a lot uh, for Sunday dinners. Uh, my wife's friends uh, all live in that area, East Lake. Um, yeah. And that was sort of going to bring me to my next point and sort of your background as well mm -hmm. is, you know, my suegra grew up in TJ. She raised her two kids, my wife and her brother um, down in TJ. My wife's friends also grew up in TJ, came here, moved to East Lake. Um, and I know your backstory is that you also grew up in TJ yeah. and I'll tell you a, a story of your first video, your first campaign ad. I had shown it to my wife and she looked at it and she watched it and goes, who is this guy? And can we vote for him? Aww. She, um, she had an immediate connection with you and your backstory because so she sweet. saw, she already felt like 
I know exactly what he's talking about. And I connected, she connected with you immediately. Mm. Um, so I guess my next question is in that area, which we're now talking about, is that a part of your campaign is reaching out to that demographic that is living there in East Chula Vista and East Lake and using that uh, background? Absolutely. This area, part of town is it's, it's a family oriented area. Uh, it's not a radical area. We, we care about our families, our kids, our kids play soccer on the weekends at the parks, beautiful parks, the roads are taken care of. And we just, we want to keep it that way. And, and that's, I mean, I've said it before, I'm not a politician, you know, I'm a family man, I'm a business mm -hmm. owner. I'm not a, you know, community organizer. And so when we go to the council and we win, um, I'm going to make sure that I vote on policies that will make sure ease that keep ease like that way. Now, my background, yes. Um, grew up in TJ. I was born here, but grew up in TJ. And, um, and yes, you see a lot of that here. It's, mm -hmm. it's very, it's very common. And, um, so just today I, I posted a reel in Spanish, uh, because I, it's, it's my, it's my roots, you know, I, I speak Spanish. So it's, I have to communicate mm -hmm. to some of the people in the district that, uh, that maybe only speak the language or that would prefer that. Um, so it, it will be a part of the race. I think it's, it's just who I am, you know, I can't run away from that. And, uh, and I think, I think it plays to our advantage for sure. Um, you also bring up that good point about uh, speaking to constituents in Spanish. I was talking about this on a live uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I had pointed out how the Libertarian Party of California has an entire Twitter page in Spanish dedicated to Spanish speakers. And the California GOP and any GOP doesn't really have their website, a Twitter anything like that in their Spanish language. That's not to say, I don't know if it's this, I don't know if it's this feeling in the Republican party of if you're in a, in America, you have to speak English, but yeah, that doesn't make you less of an American. If you're more comfortable speaking Spanish, as I know from firsthand with, you know, my wife's friends, they all speak English, but they revert to Spanish because that's what they're comfortable in. Is Spanglish. That Spanglish, yeah. Is that something yeah. that I, you think might be lacking in communication with politicians, especially more conservative politicians, is really connecting on that level of like, I can speak your language literally um, and make you feel comfortable with me as a politician or as a representative? I, I think so. And, you know, I think there's a, the ties are changing, Phil. I think there's a new wave of people rising like myself that maybe don't fit the narrative you know some people would say that a republican is an old white person and listen mm -hmm. i love white people i i i was when i came to america i was embraced by the caucasian community i didn't have a home here um i lived in tj 9 11 happens so i was crossing the border every day to go to school and it, the wait went from in line went from two hours to five hours I talked to my football coach in high school and said, Hey coach, is there any way I can stay with you? And he goes, let me talk to my wife. He was a newlywed. I, I wish I, I mean, I'm, I was 16 at the time. <laughs> Had I known what I know now, I wouldn't even have asked, but he's like, yeah, just come stay with us. And they treated me like a son and they were white. They were amazing. So all that to say, I love white people. I love all kinds of people. Um, but, um, but I do think there's a stigma that the Republicans are all 
white people. But if, mm-hmm. if you know the culture, Hispanic culture, they are, we're conservative people. We have conservative values. We're family oriented. So I think, I think there's more people like myself that are rising up. And as, as we, you know, because they look, I look like all my, you know, Hispanics, um, because I sound like them, because I talk like them, I think I'll be able to communicate to them. They'll be like, hey, tell me more about this guy. You know what? I do mm-hmm. feel that, that way. And he doesn't seem that different. So you, unfortunately, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. Like, it's crazy how this happens. But um, I, uh, I played football at University of San Diego, and it was mainly, uh, mainly uh, Caucasian as well. And um, there was, I remember there was another, another Mexican guy. And for some reason, like I joined the team and I gravitated towards him. It's not like I was, you know, where's the Mexican? You know, I was not insecure like that. I loved all people, but it just, it's just what happens. So I, I think, I think the Republican party in California and in San Diego is really excited about the future and, and more people like myself, step myself stepping in for sure. So is the, is the city council race nonpartisan? It's a nonpartisan race. Yeah. Okay, so that that does help. That it is nonpartisan. Yeah. You can literally just connect with people based mm-hmm. on who you are and who you're going to be as representative. Um, one thing I, I don't think people you had mentioned before the impact you can make with city council. Mm-hmm. Describe for people like what that what can you do on city council and what role do you play because i don't i think people overlook how important city councils are in their totally. day-to-day lives yeah it, it would be like like the congress for the united states you have the congress you have you have senate and and in the state of california you have the assembly and you have the senate that vote on everyday laws and in chula vista you have the city council so for example in chula vista you have four council members and then you have the mayor. The type of government that Chula Vista has is the, the mayor is not the CEO of the city. You have a city manager. So the mayor acts as one more vote in the council. So anything that goes on from funding our police, funding our firefighters, you know, public safety, uh, where the funds go in Chula Vista is uh, determined by how the council votes. So as we win, I, I would have a say in, uh, I, I mean, I'll be representing all of our constituents, uh, which I believe that I you know, represent the best uh, out of all, you know, my opponents, um, we would have a say in where, you know, what happens in the city. So let's get into the nitty gritty now. What is, what are some things as a representative that you see in Chula Vista that either need to be improved upon? Um, I know in your ad, you talked about the fact that Chula Vista is incredibly safe. Um, Contrary to a lot of people's belief, actually Chula Vista is very safe. Um, what are some things that you see that you want to maintain or improve or what, what, what are the issues you see for Chula Vista? Well, the number one is, is public, public safety. So I have some friends in the police department and they, ever since 2020, the morale has been really low. So we have right now in Chula Vista, we have uh, 40 vacancies, which means we have the budget for 40. We have the budget for about 300 officers and we only have about 260. So we used to have, we're actually 36% down in applicants compared to 2020. So that's one thing that it would be at the forefront of my, of my initiatives. I, I would love to change the climate in Chula Vista. And I think that, you know, once you're elected, you have, your words have a lot more weight. 
And because I, thankfully I'm not, um, you know, bought by any interest groups, I can speak freely and, and I can support in my beliefs. I'm a person of conviction. So I would support our law enforcement and we can do outreaches. Uh, we can do, you know, podcasts, social media, uh, interview people. And, and I think we can change the, the, the narrative uh, about our police department, at least in Chula Vista. They, I've heard they did a poll and it's actually the number one issue, uh, public safety in Chula Vista. And Eastlake, we're very, very fortunate. Eastlake and East Chula Vista is, it's really safe. It's one of the safest area in all areas in all of San Diego County. So that would be, that'd be my number one thing. I also want to help our small businesses. Uh, I think there's a lot of bureaucracy in, in Chula Vista. So I want to make sure we make it more efficient for businesses to thrive. Uh, and I want to make sure that we still maintain our funds for the roads, parks, and uh, we keep East Chula Vista beautiful. Um, in terms of sort of the expansion of Chula Vista, I, you know, going down there and seeing how a lot of people from San Diego are moving down to Chula Vista and there's a lot of new construction going on, especially in East Lake. It feels like yeah. you go down, there's like new construction going on all the time. Mm -hmm. um, are you also looking forward to the future of Chula Vista and how it's going to be positioned as sort of this burgeoning city south of San Diego, because it seems to be growing so much. Totally. I would love to be able to put Chula Vista on the map. I'm actually uh, been in meetings with um, the head of the economic um, business development in Chula Vista, and we're trying to bring the best technology uh, internet wise uh, to Chula Vista. Chula Vista is consider considered a smart city. We want to take it to the next level. So that's, that's mm -hmm. one of the things we want to do. Uh, there's also an area of, of, in East Chula Vista, East Southeast Chula Vista would be District Three, that it's uh, it's it's been approved to develop offices, so we can attract uh, big businesses to come and invest here. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward also to the economic development and the growth. Uh, we have the the Bayfront area in uh, Chula Vista has been approved, so we can develop um, and then also a university. We can bring a university to Chula Vista. So I think we're we're taking steps in the right direction. And uh, I think with people, now we have a chance to flip Chula Vista, by the way. I win, mm -hmm. John McCann wins for mayor, Steve Steinberg wins for um, District 2. Then all of a sudden we have, we flip it. We can do a lot of good. You could be sort of a contrast to San Diego to the north and say, this is how this city is being run. And this is a good example. And it can all start from Chula Vista. Exactly. I don't know if any would have expected the the revolution would have started in Chula Vista, right. but here it is. <laughs> right. Um, right. Is that Bayfront project going through in Chula Vista? The, I know there was big plans for like hotels and stuff like that. Is that still happening or? Yeah, it's been approved. So it's just a matter of time now. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it's no secret that uh, you are very proud of your faith. Mm -hmm. um, you're very involved in your church. Uh, talk about that a little bit in your life and in your political life and how it's led you to this point and how you're integrating that into your political career right now. Totally. It's, it's the foundation of, of who I am. Every decision um, I make, I try to run it through my faith. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the pastors at Awakened Church. It's uh, which I don't know if you've ever heard of Awakened Church is it's very politically involved. Uh, we actually stayed open when, you know, the mandates happened um, because we just didn't believe 
that they were right or they were constitutional. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everything in my life, whether it's business, my personal life, marriage, parenting, um, and uh, now politically, I, I run it through the principles of my faith in, in Jesus Christ. Um, I, you know, I'm an active Christian. I read the Bible. I try to learn every day and, uh, and it's, it's, it's helped me grow. I, I, you know, if you know anything about my story, we, contrary to what people believe, a lot of people believe that, that Christianity, you know, promotes poverty. So if, if you're in the business world or you have aspirations to raise a family or to, you know, buy a house someday or to take your family on a vacation, why would you ever consider <laughs> becoming a Christian? But then you start digging into it and you see a lot of promises of prosperity. Um, and it's actually what happened to me. I, we, my family and I were super broke 2010. Uh, we didn't have one dime to our name, nothing. And, uh, and then, you know, had a dream of launching a business, uh, stepped into the business world in 2010, launched it in 2013. And then, just God began to bless us. And I was just literally following the principles that I learned in my faith. Uh, and that's, I've taken that everywhere. You can, you know, I've taken that into leadership, uh, building teams in my business. Uh, I have owned multiple businesses, do the same. I intend to do that in, in, um, in the council as well, taking those principles of prosperity and leadership. Um, I've done that, you know, right now in our campaign, we have a team, a solid team. Cynthia is a part of it. Uh, we have a campaign manager. We have um, we have a market, marketing director. We have a creative director, and we work through everything. Everything we do, we do as a team. It's something that I've learned in my faith. So you can see how that, you know, you take that into every area of your life. Now, family is another one. I um, I just believe in strong families, and it, it's 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 the the bedrock of how we do life at home. Everything we do is just through our faith. And my wife and and kids, uh, I think my kids are are learning and and are are, are being trained to to grow up and hopefully be be good citizens someday. So you mentioned Cynthia. Cynthia, I don't want to kind of leave you hanging here. If you have any comments or questions for Marco, you can obviously hop in or anything you want to add. Sure. So just full disclosure, everyone, um, funny story. Um, I know that Phil, we had on Ray Perez a few weeks ago, and we did a podcast about how to get involved and activated in your local central committee meeting. And uh, for San Diego, we have caucuses based off our assembly district. So I live in the 8th assembly district. And uh, Marco mentioned he ran in the 79th assembly district. That being said, our districts are so close. Uh, we caucus together and we have our meetings. So my first caucus meeting that I went to, I had emailed um, like our mutual friend who is uh, Marco's campaign manager, Corey, um, about suggestions and feedback for when Marco did that debate. Um, and then all that being said, what was what else was going on in the background was I wanted to get involved in my central committee as well. So I went to my first caucus meeting. And at that first meeting, that's where I met uh, Corey. That's also where I met Marco in person. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. Um, so Marco was actually when he ran for state assembly last year, he was the first campaign that I helped with. And now I'm his volunteer director for the city council race. So it's been such a beautiful journey and blessing, you know, to see Marco grow, you know, from different campaigns. So one question I had Marco was, you know, 
a lot of people, they do different things after they run a race. There's people that go on and use that name ID to do different things. Um, what I think is admirable about you is that, you know, the state assembly race, it's it's a big race. You know, what a lot of people advise is actually that you start in city council and then you, you know, build that name ID or school board and then you run for state assembly. So it's admirable that you took on, you know, basically Goliath to go for state assembly and you want to build upon that to activate local change in Chula Vista. So what's one lesson that, or there's probably a lot, but what do you say are like the biggest lessons that you think you're, you've learned from that campaign and you want to take into this race for Chula Vista City Council? Hmm. That was a good question. Um, one lesson that I learned from, from the assembly I think probably the biggest one was to be authentic and and to be myself. Um, I think in the beginning, it was a new space. Um, and I was literally a baby, you know, learning to walk, to run, and you get all kinds of advice, you know, be like this, don't be like that, do like this, do like that. And, and then as you start growing, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to, you, you find your footing. But towards the end, I, I learned and I've been blessed to be a quick learner, um, but I just, yeah, I said, you know what? I think the best I have is myself. So I just tapped into that and who I am. Uh, I want to take that into everything I do, you know, just be genuine, be authentic. I think we've, uh, I think people are craving authenticity, uh, real connection, you know, no facades, um, you know, with the, you know, the age of social media, you always put your best foot forward and your Instagram, you have tons of filters. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all want to look nice and I think that's great. But I think people feel, you know, feel the real you. And if not, then you just, you're forgettable. But I think I'll give an example. So I had a, my meeting with the police department today. Uh, I talked about a lot of, about a lot of issues. Uh, it was my interview to be endorsed by them. I said, I support you guys. You know, we talked about a lot of things. They said, hey, you know, measure a, uh, how did you vote? 2017, your questionnaire, you said, uh, you didn't say you you supported it, but now you say you are supporting it. Tell us about that. I said, no, honesty, in 2018, I wasn't very politically involved. So I didn't want to lie and tell you that I didn't support it or I did support it. But knowing what I know now, I would support it. And I can tell you why. And, and it spoke to them. I mean, I was surprised. Somebody told me, don't, don't say that. Don't ever say that. But I said, you know what? I have to be me and I have to be real. And people like that. So, I, and I've I had many of those experiences too. People, um, you know, asking me questions and I would just be, be honest and truthful. And it, it really spoke to them. So mm. I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I learned. I remember a story I think you told uh, that you were kind of you converted to being a republican but you didn't really notice no you were a republican is that true right. you were just kind of yeah. like you were kind of well, floating along <laughs> as a democrat until one day you had like an epiphany that you were a republican yeah my my grandpa would tell us growing up hey we'll always be democrats and i'm like yes sir so i started dating my wife natalie and i show up at her house and one of her dad's first questions was hey what's your political affiliation I said, well, I'm a Democrat. He goes, really? Well, let's talk about it. So he began to tell me, hey, you know, us Republicans, we believe in freedom. 
We believe in America. It's a land of opportunity. Uh, we believe we don't believe in big government. We want to give everyone a chance. You get to decide where your money goes. And he started naming a lot of things. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really how I feel, what I believe in. Plus the fact that I needed to to consider becoming a Republican to be able to date his daughter. So, but uh, but it actually made a lot of sense. I mean, and at the time I was 16, 17. You know, now being 37 and knowing real life, uh, I have friends. True story. I have friends that have told me that are same age and, you know, are getting started. And and they say, hey, just give me a few years and I'll become a Republican. I'm like, and they're so passionate about being a Democrat. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what happened to me. And, you know, I I became a conservative, conservative, conservative then and still am today. Proud of it. Sort of funny when I, I first met my wife when we were dating at the time, um, we're not ashamed to say it. We We met online. And her profile had said political affiliation said Democrat. <laughs> and it was about the third or fourth date in. And I I was like, I feel like I have to tell her like I voted for Trump and see her reaction. And I, I was all nervous and she thought like I was gonna tell her something big. And I was like, I just want to let you know I voted for Trump. She's like, Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was yeah, funny because yeah. Because the more we she got to talk about it, and the more she realized she was like, "Oh wait a second, I believe in lower taxes. I believe in a freer market. I believe in mm -hmm. more rights." Like she started to name off all these things, yeah. and now she hasn't come all the way over to being a Republican. She's now just an independent, but she's no longer a Democrat. So, you know, there's that taking big, a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. taking the right direction. Um, now that you're more politically active. Mm -hmm. um, especially in the county of San Diego. Is there anything you see with the, the, the local county party or the state party that you think needs improvement? And just to be blunt, like, do you think there's hope for the GOP here in California? I think there is. Um, I think we have uh, young people rising up um, and we need it. We need we need the younger crowd to to be able to speak to the next generation. And I, I think the extreme left is doing us a favor with all their policies and everything they're throwing out there that is not working. Perfect example, defund the police, 2020. You look at all the cities that took on that approach, what happened to them? It turned into a disaster. So I think they're doing us a favor. Um, you saw what happened in Virginia, you know, in the elections uh, recently. So I, I do feel like there's hope. And I think I'm a big part of that. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I you know, I, I can humbly tell you this, but just because I decided to run that I'm just, I'm just a normal guy, man. You know, um, there's other people around me that I said, Hey, one of my best friends is considering running for school board. Another one of my best friends is like, hey, I think I'm going to follow in your footsteps and maybe run for council after you. So there's there's a, a lot more of that happening. And there's people that feel like I do the same way, conservatives. So I do believe there's hope. And if, if you look at history, you know, the pendulum always swings. So, you know, it went really far left, uh, at least. And I don't mean politically, but it just, you know, heavily Democratic in, um, in the south part of the county. But... I think it's coming back. And I think, I think voices like myself, 
um, that just speak truthfully and speak common sense. People are not stupid, and and when you when when you start uh, hearing things and principles that that speak to them, then you know you can put your your there are going to be some Democrat some diehards that are be like no always vote Democrat, but there's a lot of people that like your wife for example, you know she's like mm. oh that makes sense. So I do I do see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. I have yeah, I a think, yeah go ahead Cynthia sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a couple, like my last couple questions that I think, you know, are a good leeway off of your answer that I wanted to piggyback off of. Um, you mentioned that, you know, because you decided to run, you weren't active in politics and you decided to take a leap of faith and, you know, it's been history ever since. Um, and you mentioned because of that, you know, because you weren't politically active and you decided to to step into it, you mentioned how you inspired people within your community to do the same thing. And we have the filing deadline for California candidates March 11th. So there is still some time for people to make that same leap of faith too. So what, what would be your advice to those people that are listening that, you know, really see everything that's happening in their community and they want to make it better and they want to take, you know, in my humble opinion, the biggest step you can take in politics is to run for office. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first I remember I, my first meeting I had for the before I ran for assembly was with Senator Brian Jones. Um, and, you know, we're having coffee and he said, don't do it. Don't run for office, run away from it. And he was dead serious. I'm like, uh, he's like, yep. And then I said, well, you know, I kindly asked that you support me. And I, if I can get your endorsement, he's like, come back when you raise $50,000. I said, all right. Now, if imagine if I had been swayed by white, what he said, then that'd be the biggest sign that I'm not up for it, you know, because it's not easy. So, you know, we do our first fundraiser, we raise 44, 45,000 for the assembly. And then, uh, you know, shortly after we, you know, 50,000. So I call Senator Brian Jones and say, hey, we raised 50,000. All right, let's talk now. You know, so my first advice would be, hey, why are you doing this? Are you just excited? Is it, you know, do you watch something on the news that got you going? That's not enough. I think you have you have to have a deep conviction that you're you're called to the space because you're going to have ups and downs and sometimes you're going to be tired and sometimes you're not going to want to do something. You know, it's just like everything in life. But if you're if you're married to the to the assignment and to the you have you're convicted you know, nothing can sway you, then I'd say go for it and be brave, be courageous. Now, if you're afraid at times, it doesn't mean you're not courageous. In fact, courage is comes, shows up when fear comes, you know, when fear shows up. So, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be my advice. You know, if, if you feel called and you know that, you know, that you need to step into the space, then do it. Perfect. And then my last question before I let Phil kind of you know, take it off is um, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that there is a strategy. Um, you mentioned that for Chulvista, there's four districts. You're running for the first one. John McCann is running for mayor and how the city council is conducted. The mayor actually is a vote. So for the GOP, for Republicans, that would help. So, for example, part of your platform is funding the police and backing the blue. So if you have three Republicans in that Chulvista city council that have that, that will help to you know for those votes because you're going to have the votes to make those different policies so for the republicans that's kind of our strategy um 
that being said, there's another controversial thing in our San Diego community called SANDAG. And for what people don't know, that consists of elected officials in the San Diego community. So um, are you aware if you would be a part of SANDAG or is John McCann, if he were to get elected mayor, like how does that work? Would you and the Chula Vista City Council have a say in those things? Because uh, we've had the mileage tax and you know all these different kinds of radical policies that, in my opinion, aren't haven't haven't aren't going to benefit our city. So, would you be able to yeah. shed light on that? Yeah, um, I was just talking to my neighbor next door, who was going to host. Um, a fundraiser for one of my opponents said, hey, just make sure because I just moved to a new house and said, hey, just ask her, would she oppose or support the mileage tax? He's like, what? What's a mileage tax? Well, we're going to have to report if this goes through, we have to report how many miles we drive a year and we have to pay a tax on that. He's like, that's ridiculous. So I'm not sure people are aware of what's happening. Uh, that's why it's actually one of the points of our campaign. We're opposing the mileage tax. Nobody wants to pay more taxes to the government. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or independent. Um, so and the answer is yes, we would have a say uh, if we flip to La Vista. I, I know at least we get one vote. I think we might even get two in Sandag. So that'd be huge mm -hmm. if we win. So uh, one of my last questions you were talking about the pendulum swinging one way or one of the extremes the other way. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I recently was just talking about how you're starting to see a lot of these progressive policies, these uber progressive policies are starting to hit the wall here in California. It's, it's crazy to think that they're final. They've like hit that wall that people are just saying it's too much. You know, mm -hmm. people in LA are envious of of the safety and serenity of Orange County now. You know, right. people in San Francisco <laughs> who are pushing a lot of their leaders. I mean, they just had this huge recall. They they got rid of three school board members. Uh, London Breed is now moving back towards the middle. She realizes she has to be more of a moderate, um, mm -hmm. whatever her definition of a moderate is. So they're like you. I, I agree with you. There is definitely. It, we're, I think we've hit that peak of the pendulum. Mm -hmm. Maybe we hit that wall and people are starting to go, okay, it's gotten a little too crazy here. Yeah. Um, but my one criticism and my one warning that I always say is that the GOP just can't kind of sit by and go, well, we're the default opposite party. Like mm -hmm. people are not just going to automatically come over unless there are solutions, there's a platform. Um, that you're actually offering something different rather than just, well, we're the, the photo negative of Democrats, so vote for us. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that, that, that there needs to be more of a platform, more solutions, more of offering? To actually, you know, I, I, I see it a little different because if you look at uh, how people vote on the propositions, we usually win on propositions, which means we have the right policies. I think where we failed is to to um, connect with the voter. If Democrats are great at connecting with emotions and feelings, uh, I think I think that's where we need to grow. And, um, you know, as, as Republicans, we're independent. We are, you know, we're, we're strong. We can do it. We put our feelings aside. We'll make it happen. You know, it's America, the land of the free. And my gosh, I believe in all those principles. But I think to to begin to persuade voters, we need to speak to their heart as well. 
Uh, I think that's why my my first with my first assembly um, video, it was it was just my story, and and it was it was a big hit in many ways. Why I was just telling my story, and I really wanted to just say this is who I am, you know. But I think it spoke to a lot of people. A lot of people would text me or on Instagram, say, hey, that's me, that's my story. I feel the same way. Um, it actually that's how I grew up. So I, I would say, you know, if I ever had a say in the Republican Party and said, hey, we need to find a way to touch people's hearts. And um, and and I, I think, you know, thankfully we get to run a campaign, Cynthia, and that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna do. We're gonna speak and you know, we have the right policy, but we're also gonna speak to people's hearts and inspire people to dream, to believe, you know. Anything and there's a great yeah. Anything is possible. That's right. No, I, I agree with you. And I think um, Democrats have gotten very good at it. There's a good book, Don't Think of an Elephant, where uh, this, uh, I don't know what you would call him. He's not a psychologist, but he's like a, well, I, I'm losing a term. But he, anyway, he, he knows how to break into people's political psychology. Mm. And his whole thing was he talks about how, and he's from the left, he was saying, Democrats need to touch on everybody's feelings. You need to go after feelings and emotions and yeah. values because people vote for values first, then they mm -hmm. kind of vote for policy second, and right. then all the like nitty gritty they don't even really care about. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, this was written in 2004. So now you've seen sort of the progression of where Democratic Party has gone. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think Republicans are very bad at that. They don't, they don't, they always want to do the whole Ben Shapiro facts. Your feelings don't care about facts or whatever, yeah. or facts don't care about your feelings. But I think Republicans need to get better at that. They need to push their values and say, and connect with people on that emotional level. hundred percent. Yeah. We're going to start doing uh, it, man. Yeah. And, it. and I think that's a, a, you know, I, I wish you all the best of luck because I think someone like you could be the blueprint for where to go after this. Um, I, I think it. every successful Republican candidate who's new, who's, who's fresh into the party could be the blueprint of how to really just start winning seat by seat by seat. So, um, I know you're a busy guy. I don't, I, I thank you for staying on for as long as you have and chatting with us. Gosh, well, thank you guys. Um, where can people go and learn more about you and support you in your campaign? Well, we have uh, three ways. Uh, one, they can go on marcocontreras.us. Actually, two main ones. marcocontreras.us is our website. And also, they can follow us on Instagram, which is uh, marco4cv, marco4cv for Chula Vista, and also uh, on Facebook. So, and we're pretty active. So, people can, we can engage with the community. Excellent. And I want to, I don't know who did your logo, but uh, it came out pretty good. It, oh thank uh, you it's pretty it's pretty classy so i that's the first i was like this doesn't look like a political logo it looks like <laughs> marco Contreras, the the hotel empresario or something like that <laughs> i'll take that as a compliment so all right thanks hey, again, marco for coming thank on you, i'll definitely let my my suegra know that she should vote for you and all my wife's friends should also vote for you as well because they're down in that area cynthia you had one more thing to say Yep. Before we close off, um, two important things uh, to really hit home. If you really enjoyed this podcast, if you resonated with Marco's message, because I know this was probably one of my favorite podcasts we've done, and I'm very biased, um, please donate. It 
costs money to run races. Um, when Marco ran for assembly, we knew we were going to be outspent. And for this city council race, we want to make sure we hit the ground running. So please donate and go to this website to do that. And then the last thing is I'm his volunteer director um, and we need people to help door knock and make phone calls um, like Marco shared earlier in the podcast. Um, you know, we we unfortunately couldn't turn out the vote um, and that's why we lost. So we want to make sure we take those lessons from this last race and make sure we win this race this time. And as a volunteer director, if you are interested in helping us out, um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Um, so it's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A and then last name Cowie, K-A-U-I. So if you want to help us out or donate, then contact me. Good job, Cynthia. Yeah, just doing my job. Remembering all the details. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, everybody, and uh, have a good night. Thank you, guys. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it, and follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 